Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Is our uh, text to uh, lay the foundation for our discussion tonight. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I want to look specifically at this phrase, the Prince of Peace, so that we can identify this uh, characteristic of peace in the leadership and the governing of Jesus Christ in our lives. Hallelujah. Sister Jean, would you flip that light switch right there? I think that light is not working. Would you do that for me? The peace of God uh, is a, a flow of the leadership of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is called the Prince of Peace, and it is using that format in identifying him the prince is, uh, is the part that identifies his governing. Now, we would think of prince as the son of a king. We don't see the word prince as being something that identifies leadership necessarily. But when we see from the biblical perspective, it does indicate governing. It does indicate one who is in a position of uh, leadership. Because, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, If the princes of this world had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. And it was specifically talking about demonic powers. If the demonic powers that were uh, in, the, in the vein of, of manipulating people and motivating people and trying to get people to crucify Jesus, if they had known of the plan of salvation that was underway they would never have crucified the king of glory but my use of that text is to identify it I, it used the word prince the princes if the princes of this world so it's identifying those who were in uh, um, principalities principalities powers of the air people uh, uh, when we use that word we think of the son of a king but I want us instead to identify it's talking about principalities uh, one who is identified in a position of governing a specific area well Jesus is Lord of our life he governs our life and he governs us with the blessing he governs us with his love. We are governed by love. We have to keep the mandate of love, right? The love, the command. We are also governed, what part of the flow of the kingdom that governs us is the peace of God. And so to appropriately access this supply, we have to identify it correctly. So we don't want to define peace the way the world defines it or the way our society today defines it because that would vary from the definition God uses. God has a definition, a mindset about peace that is different from the definition that Webster's Dictionary might give or that our society, if you ask somebody on the street corner, can you tell me how to describe peace? This would normally be the response we would get. Serenity, tranquility, a calm atmosphere, a, a freedom from chaos. All of those things are produced by God's peace, but those are not definitions of God's peace. You will see the result of serenity. You will see the result of a tranquil life. You will see rest. You will see uh, the result of the chaos being removed from that person's life. But that's not the definition of peace. The Hebrew people had such a culture that ingrained with this idea of peace that when they walked up to 
greet each other, they used it as a, a way of, of, of a salutation. They would say, how is your peace today? Do you have the peace that comes from being sound? Do you have the peace that comes from being made whole or complete? And so the title of one of the books that I wrote, it was a very long title. It's probably, it didn't do well when I tried to translate it over into Spanish. The peace that comes from being made whole. We finally just translated it as the peace that restores. But when I went through that book, a lot of the content is to identify the peace of God is a supernatural force that causes restoration a supernatural force that causes things that were missing to no longer be missing. It brings that provision into your life. It brings what things have been broken. It brings them back to wholeness. And so if God's peace is at work, we are going to see a life that is consistently, continually in a process of being restored. If it reaches a place of wholeness, and that's the, it, that's the intent of peace, to bring us to that place where we don't have any missing relationships in our family, where we don't have any missing areas in our finances, in our health, in any area, when, the, when we get that, if a circumstance tries to violate that peace, the peace is supposed to have a continual operation so that even if something breaks, peace is going to help bring a restoration to it. Even if something encroaches upon your wholeness, peace is going to return you to that place of wholeness. And this is the concept that we've been looking at. And I encourage you, I did cover a lot of ground Sunday. Please take uh, ad ad advantage of the resources to listen to it again. You can order the CDs. I know we're kind of slow on getting the CDs out because we had had some uh, things uh, that were getting replaced, some machinery that we've been replacing, but uh, it's also available for free online, and the CDs are free as well. So we want you to, to follow up on that because I need to get into more tonight. Um, let's move to John 14, and let's identify again Jesus as the Prince of Peace, his words in the 14th chapter of John. Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples. He's giving them important information of things that will be different, things that will change. He identifies the change that will take place in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. He identifies the change that will take place in their, uh, their love. He says, before now you've known that you should love your neighbor as yourself, but now I'm telling you to love your brother the way I've loved you. And so he raises that up a level of expectation. He talks about their uh, usage of praying in his name praying to the Father in Jesus' name. And this is another aspect of something that he brings out to them. It applies to us as his disciples, and it is important for us to see it. John 14, 27, he said, Peace, I leave with you. Now, because we have identified the meaning of peace, meaning wholeness, soundness, that he is giving us soundness. He is leaving us a supernatural force, not a, not a condition, not a feeling of peace, not a, an atmosphere of peace. It is a force that will produce the atmosphere of peace. It will, is a force that will produce the emotion of peace. It is a force that will cause the outward manifestation that we would describe as peace, but it's a force that causes us to have nothing missing. He says, peace. I give unto you, I leave to you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So he says, I am giving you my peace, and my peace has the capacity to cause your life to be whole no matter what comes, no matter what difficulty you encounter. I am providing you with a supernatural force that will protect you. you if you'll remember Ezekiel 
36 identified in the covenant of peace that, that he is referring to that we would lie down and not be afraid of the evil beast in the land because they won't be able to get near us. Amen? So he's talking about natural enemies and spiritual enemies won't be able to successfully uh, uh, overcome us or overwhelm us because this peace has a protective quality to it. This peace has the ability to keep us, even if we have to uh, be in a situation that it looks like we're vulnerable, peace can guard us. Amen? So the peace, he says here, uh, I'm leaving it with you. Now your responsibility is not to let your heart be troubled. So if I know that I've got the peace of God in operation in my life, if I know that His supernatural force to protect me and to provide for me and to bring me to wholeness is operative, what, could I, what lack could I ever fear? What, what situation would come along that I would say, I don't think peace can handle that. I think, I think the peace of God is not going to be able to fix this. Is there a sickness that peace can't fix? Is there a, a financial obligation that peace can't deal with? That if I'm looking at this as a force that causes me to be sound, that causes my life to be whole, then I've got to participate with it and put my, my um, expectation in line with what God has spoken to me about this peace and not allow anything to trouble me, not allow anything to worry me. One of the first things that uh, I encountered after I got saved, you know, I had come out of a life that was very difficult, a life that was um, uh, very rough and very unsaved. <laughs> and when, uh, when I came out, there were still a lot of enemies that I had in the natural. And, you know, there were times that, that some of them threatened me. And I knew how they could shoot. You know, I, I knew that they were a pretty good shot and they carried, you know. So they, they threatened me about something. And uh, one of the scriptures that the Lord took me to, and I, I mean, I didn't know my way around the Bible at all. It was, it was God's mercy that I was just like, Lord, what am I going to do? And I opened up my Bible and it says, who are you to be afraid of a man that should die? I am the Lord your God. And I'm, hey, <laughs> Hey, that's all, yeah, what he said. Why would I be afraid? Well, the, that, that scripture uh, stuck with me. It, it kind of put up a, um, it was like God was saying, if I'm with you, who could you be afraid? If I'm with you, and, and then another scripture that really helped me through that time was he said, when you walk through the water, I will be with you in the floods. They shall not overflow you. You can walk through the fire and you shall not be burned. And, you know, I stood on that. There were a lot of things that were difficult for me, but because I knew he was with me, because I knew he said, if I'm with you, it doesn't matter how high the water gets, it won't flood you out. It won't overflow you. You're not going to drown in this situation. It doesn't matter how hot the fire is, it's not going to burn you. And that helped me to trust God during those times. I was just learning how to trust him. I didn't even know how to walk with God, but... Those scriptures helped me so much. And this is the attitude that we've got to develop, that the Prince of Peace is my Lord and Savior. The Prince of Peace who looked at that woman in Mark chapter 5 who had come to him and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Whole. What was she after? Whole. Wholeness. I'm after the peace that's in him. I'm after something in him that can make my life whole. I've been missing and broken for over 12 years. I've spent everything I had and I've gotten worse and worse and worse, but I am now expecting something from the one who has the ability to make me whole. And so she touches Jesus and she knew in her body immediately that she was made whole. She knew it. She, she sensed the peace flow out of him and into her. And he knew it. He said, somebody touched me. He knew that it says that virtue, the King James says, had gone out of him. And that word virtue is the word dunamis that we use in Acts 1.8 that says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And it's de defined in the Strong's Concordance as miracle power, miraculous power, the miracle worker. 
He said, miraculous power has gone out of me. He knew that supernatural force had gone out of him. She knew it had come into her. And then Jesus looked and said, your faith has made you whole. Faith made her whole because faith accessed that wholeness that was in Jesus. And our faith is designed to access the wholeness that's in our Lord and our Savior to cause every area of our lives to not only be restored, but stay whole, stay sound, remain complete, so that you don't have to anticipate things getting worse as you get older. You don't have to anticipate things falling apart because of certain circumstances or situations that's going on in the world. We want to anticipate that the Prince of Peace is governing my life. He's my Lord. I follow Him. I serve Him. He is my shepherd. Hallelujah. He's leading me into the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But what we want to do is we want to anticipate that His peace can keep me. And so He said to that woman in Mark chapter 5, verse 34, would you give me that on the Amplified? Mark 5, 34, He said, Go into peace and be continually made whole. So he said, your faith has made you whole. But then he said, go in peace and be whole of your plague. And the Amplified says, continually made whole. Hallelujah. Go in peace, King James. The Amplified says, go into peace. The Weiss translation also says, be continuing in a constant state of peace. So this peace is to have a, an application that is ongoing. It says, into peace. Go into peace and be continually healed and freed. Continually healed and freed is possible. I, I want us to raise our expectations up to that. If they're not there already, just go ahead and lift them on up. Just go ahead and set, them, set the bar at Mark 5.34. Just go ahead and set the bar right there. Continually, continually healed. Continually healed means I'll never be sick another day in my life. I like that. I like that. We can do that. Why? Because he says I can go into peace and be continually healed. Continually freed. Continually means it never has to return if I will go in the flow of this peace, if I will continue in the flow of this peace. And so uh, Romans says that uh, in, in uh, Romans uh, I think it was chapter 13, was it? Let me, let me give it to you. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So this is ours in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is the flow of the kingdom, and I can go into it. 1417 of Romans. 1417. So this is our flow. The peace flow is designed for the believer. It is where the blessing operates. It, when I look at the blessing, you can even just go through Deuteronomy 28, that first part that describes the blessing. And it is a specific description of how these areas of your life are going to be sound. You'll be blessed going in blessed coming out, blessed in the field, blessed in the city. In other words, there's not any place where you're missing the blessing. There's not any place where you're broken from the blessing. And when you're blessed in the field, that means you're going to be blessed in your pantry. You're going to be blessed in, in your, your meat house. You're going to be blessed in all of the areas where you're going to need food, where you're going to have commerce, right? So this blessing is talking about a wholeness and it's almost as if the blessing is the detailed contract of peace, of how the peace is going to be administered to you specifically through the blessing. Amen? Well, this is the design of God for the believer's life, that we live in His constant state of wholeness and soundness. So the instruction that he gives then is I'm giving you my peace. I'm leaving you my peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. 
don't let your heart be fearful. He said two different things, so we're not going to, to put them in the same category. We're going to recognize, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it. In addition to not letting it be troubled, also don't let it be fearful. Identifying that that troubling is, a, uh, is one thing to be on guard against and full-blown fear is another. I don't want either one. Some people say, well, you know, it's, it, how can I, I, I'm not really loving them if I don't care about them, if I don't worry about them just a little bit. But he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it. It's in our power. It's in our power not to let it. There's not anything I will be able to stand before God and say, you know what, God, I know you told me. I know you told me. Don't let my heart be troubled. But when this happened, Father, I just couldn't help it. And he, he's not going to look at me and say, you know what, honey, you're right. You couldn't help it in that situation. That was just awful. <laughs> no, he's going to say, but I said in my word to cast all of your care upon me. I said in my word, take no thought for your life. I said, take no anxious thought. I said in my word, don't let your heart be troubled. He's going he's to pull his word out and correct me and say, you could have helped it. You could have helped it. So we have it in our possession, in our capabilities to resist. And if we want to have the continual operation of this peace that keeps us freed and whole and healed, we've got to stay in peace. Does that make you wonder what kind of condition her life was in to allow it to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse? Because evidently she was a covenant woman. Evidently, you know, she was in the nation that was qualified for the salvation of the Lord. It doesn't say that she was an outsider. It doesn't say that she was, you know, a Canaanite. Anytime that he deals with something like that, he identifies that this person was a Canaanite. This person was, was a person outside of the covenant, a Syrophoenician woman. It didn't say that about this woman. This woman was a covenant woman. What caused her life to be in a position that was opening the door to the destruction for it to get worse and worse? He says, go into peace and be continually in a state of wholeness, continually healed, continually freed. So that means if I let go of my peace, if I lose that flow of peace in my life, then it is by default opening the door for the chaos to back, come back in, the destruction to enter back in. Hallelujah. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We're, we're going to let the word light shine the light because I, I just want to tell us all this freeing truth. We've all, all had opportunities that we worried when we shouldn't have. There's not any person in here that if, if you raise your hand and say, hey, I am that person that has never worried, we're going to pray for you for lying. Because we've all carried care. We have all worried and opened the door to that anxiety and that frustration, but we can all also learn how to resist it shut the door that's right psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want why because i have wholeness i have soundness if i am sound there's not anything i'm lacking if i'm whole there's not any area i need or i have want the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul there we see the restoration all throughout this chapter but specifically here he restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. I know this is a familiar passage. One of our favorites, isn't it? One of our favorite scriptures here in Psalm 23. But it is also a perfect example of a life that is governed by peace, that is governed by this supernatural restoration that causes your life to be whole and sound. When we look in Isaiah 26, we also see a reference to peace in verse 3. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. In the original language, perfect is actually the word shalom, which is the peace that comes from being made whole, and then peace. So it's like a double shalom, shalom. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. Hallelujah. Well, when the King James translators translated it perfect, it's because the way that it's used with the double shalom, shalom, it's talking about such a well-developed peace, perfected. When we see per, per, uh, perfected or perfect or perfection in the, in the Bible, it's not talking about a person that has no, no errors or a person that is, uh, you know, without fault. It's talking about a person who is mature is talking about something or a process that's been matured. And so this is saying that it is possible for us to have a well-developed shalom, a well-developed peace, a well-developed flow of nothing missing, nothing broken, where God is able to continually keep our lives sound and whole. And notice the connection again. Let, it, let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. It says... You will keep him in perfect shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you. So God's part is contingent on our part. God's part is always available. He's always able to restore us. But a person who is continually allowing their mind to be the open door for the enemy to get in their heart with worry and anxiety and fear and heaviness, that person who's opening the door with the mind so that the enemy continually sneaks into the heart and brings the fear and brings the trouble and the disquietedness, that person is constantly having to go and get restored again and not able to maintain a continual restoration in their life because the, the destruction is finding an open door. The attack is finding a way in. And how is it finding a way in? Through the mind. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. That word stayed means fixed. It means established. It, it, it's a disciplined mind. It's talking about someone who is specific in what they're thinking and refusing what they choose to allow in their thoughts and what they dismiss from their thoughts, what they resist in the thought life. If you've got your mind stayed on the Lord, it's not on the news. If you've got your mind stayed on the Lord, it's His report and not the evil report. It's His report and not the problem. It's His report that you're focused on and not the situation. So to keep our mind stayed on the Lord is going to be something that we're choosing to do. It's a decision. It is something that we're being diligent about because we recognize in order for His peace to have its work in my life, I've got to participate with that peace. I've been told by the Lord, do not let my heart be troubled. Well, the, the heart gets troubled when the mind is on the wrong focus. If you've got your mind stayed on the Lord, you don't have a troubled heart. So the entrance then is something that we've got to identify. And then another point that I want to uh, uh, identify here is because he trusts. We keep our mind stayed on the Lord and trust is 
the determining factor. I trust God. I trust God. And you don't have to have everything emotionally feel good to say, I trust God. You can say, I trust God while your insides are quaking. You can say, I trust God while your, your palms are sweating. You can say, I trust God because you're trusting out of your spirit and not out of your, your flesh, out of your body. Your body may be experiencing the difficulty of that moment. I want to give a couple of examples. And my first example would be from Brother Hagen's life. Brother Hagen uh, had been healed of a heart a condition that caused his heart to skip beats and even stop at times. They never expected him to live past 16 years old. And he was actually on his deathbed when God raised him up and supernaturally healed him. But it was a number of years after God had healed him that he was out traveling, ministering the gospel, and it had been after he had uh, preached in, in, in a, a, a meeting and he was in the room I believe he was in somebody else's house, a parsonage of the church, because they didn't have a whole lot of hotels back in those days, uh, late 50s, early 60s. And uh, he said all of the symptoms of that heart condition came back on him. And he said because, the, because he could feel the pain in his chest, he could feel his heart stopping and starting back and, and skipping a beat, his physical body was responding with with the fear with the his physical body was having some tremors some shaking he felt it and the enemy was coming against his mind and he would say you're not going to get healed this time and brother hagan laughed he laughed out he said he said i was in the house with with i think it was the good ones but he was in the house of the of the pastors he said i just pulled the cover up over my head and i just laughed ha 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 he said i didn't feel like laughing but i laughed ha 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 and you hear brother hagan har 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 so he doesn't <laughs> Har, 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 har. And he said the thought came back to him again. He said, I knew it was the devil. The thought came, what are you laughing about? He said, I'm laughing at you, devil. Ha, 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 har, har. Har, 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 har. And, and he, the enemy said it again. You're not going to get healed this time. You're not going to get, you're going to die in this parsonage. You're going to die and they're going to come in and find you. You're not going to get healed this time. And he said, har, 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 har. About three times the thought came to his mind, you're not going to get healed this time. And he laughed out loud. And then the third time, uh, he, said, what, the, the, he said, the thought came, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing at you because you said I'm not going to get healed. But I'm already healed. Ha, 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 I'm already healed. And then the thought came, but you're afraid. Look at your hands. And he said, sure enough, I looked down in my hands, and I couldn't stop them. He said, my hands were quivering because his physical body was reacting to what that, that, that he knew had once before been such a dire situation. His physical body was responding, and he said, that's okay. My body might be shaken, but I'm not my body. I'm a spirit, and I'm not afraid. I know I'm healed. And he said it was that, that, that shortly right after that, the healing manifested, and all of the symptoms left. But you notice how he dealt with fear. This is what I want to identify. The fear, his body was reacting to fear, but he never permitted his spirit to enter in, his heart. Let not your heart be troubled. Your mind might be troubled. You can take, you can take the weapons of our warfare from, uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, and you can deal with the thoughts. So just because you're thinking worried thoughts doesn't mean you, they have entered in. The thought can come. You can deal with the thought. You're going to have to open your mouth to do it, but you're going to have to speak the word and say, I will not fear. I will not die. I will live. I will not fear. Uh, God always causes me the triumph. Whatever scripture deals with that situation, bring it up out of your mouth, not just in the mind. You cannot fight thoughts with thoughts. You've got to fight thoughts with words the way Jesus gave us the example. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he used every response that Jesus gave against the enemy was from Deuteronomy. We've got Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We've got all kinds of, of additional uh, uh, armament to be able to resist the enemy. But Jesus openly 
Uh, vocally resisted the enemy and we also have to vocally resist the thoughts that come and that's what brother Hagen was doing and he said it was with that resisting that those symptoms lifted I have uh, two other examples uh, the the second example that comes to my mind is uh, when Kelly Copeland who is brother Kenneth Copeland's daughter went upstairs on a Christmas morning and found her teenage daughter her teenager at a time at that time was uh, running 103 temperature and they rushed her to the emergency room and they said she has a strain of meningitis that has caused multiple uh, young people uh, to die in, in the state of Texas already and we don't have much hope for her. We think she's not going to make it. It's, it. It was such a rampant, raging in her body. And Kelly Copeland said it was like the fear it was like I could feel fear standing right there at my, my perimeter, if you will. She said, I could sense the fear was there. And her sister, uh, Pastor Terry Pearsons, walked up and said, what, what's going on in your mind right now? And she said, I knew how I responded was going to set the course. And I opened up my mouth and I looked at my sister with fire coming out of my eyes and said I will not fear and she said when the words came out of my mouth that fear that was just right there it dissipated it uh, it had to back up why because she verbally resisted it she verbally resisted it my third example uh, would be from Pastor Nancy Dufresne and Dr. Ed Dufresne had gone to uh, a, a doctor's appointment that Dr. Ed Dufresne had. And he was diagnosed with a form of cancer and they, the doctor looked at them and told them, it is so bad, I'm positive. And she said, wasn't it any test to even verify this, this? But he said, I'm, I'm positive, it's already in your bones. And she said, we got that report and they were in different vehicles so he got in his vehicle and went home and she said I climbed in my vehicle and she said I told the Lord Lord I cannot even go there in my mind I cannot even go there in my head so I just choose to stay in a place of peace and she said when I made that that declaration now notice it's verbal she's saying I refuse to go with all those questions of what are we going to do, what if he dies, what's going to happen, why is this going on, she said, I didn't want to go to any of those locations in my mind. So I said, I, I can't go there in my mind, so I'm just going to stay in peace. And she said, I began to pray in tongues, and I prayed in the Spirit about five minutes, and she said, suddenly a blanket of peace a supernatural blanket of peace and she said I know peace is in my spirit but this was like an extra layer of peace she said that came over her like a blanket and she said all of a sudden I it was like I couldn't I couldn't worry if I had tried why because that supernatural peace came to help her in that situation why because all three of these examples are pe people who are saying I choose to trust God, I choose to stand on His Word, I choose to resist the opportunity to fear, I'm not going to enter into fear. Now all of these were very serious situations and do you know Dr. Dufresne went home and prayed and said, Lord what have I done uh, that, that has maybe opened the door for the enemy to attack me this way and the Lord gave him uh, what he needed to do to act on and to make a correction in his life and with, he said, do that, and within 30 days, it will all be gone. And within 30 days, the cancer was completely gone from his body. Wow. All three of them had very serious situations that they weren't taking lightly, but they were resisting their ability to attack. Kelly Copeland's daughter was healed and came out of that and is serving the Lord today. All three of them saw the salvation, the restoration of God. The peace of God came and restored what the curse was trying to um, um, bring 
upon their life, what the enemy was trying to bring upon their life, God restored it, but he needed them to stay in a place where he could keep them in perfect peace. He needed them to stay fixed on him, to stay in that place where his salvation could flow. So that tells me if we move over into fear, it shuts the door for God to work. It hinders his ability to help us in that situation. But if we'll stay, even if our feelings are telling us we're not in faith, they're not indicators whether I'm in faith or not. If things are going through your mind, just keep talking. Open your mouth and say what the Lord says. Open your, if you have to do. Remember I told you uh, uh, Sunday I had to just quote Psalm 91 until I got control of my thoughts because the mind was trying to worry about my daughter and uh, I couldn't sleep, but I started speaking the word and just quoting that word, whispering it under my breath just to get my mind back under the dominion of the word of God. Hallelujah. If, if our mind is, is racing, we can bring it under dominion to the word. If our emotions are out of control, we can govern our emotions. None of those things are who we are. We are not our body. We are not emotional-led people. We are spirit-led people. The greater one is inside of us. We can walk in faith and peace continually. Amen? So uh, those three examples are, are examples of how trusting in the Lord becomes that anchor. I'm trusting God. Another example uh, is in Jeremiah 17, a scriptural example here in Jeremiah 17. Hallelujah. And we'll read verse 7 and 8. It's talking about the man that trusts in the Lord and the results that that follow. It says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Hallelujah. So I'm trusting in him. I'm hoping or a confident, earnest expectation in him. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes but her leaf shall, uh, shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Sounds like pieces at work there, doesn't it? Sounds like the, the work of restoration in this person's life, a continual, not just having to get broken and then get restored and get broken and then get restored, but just staying restored despite the, the outer conditions going on around them. It says that this man, I like how the Amplified says of this phrase, shall not see when heat comes. The Amplified says, shall not see and fear when heat comes. So when heat comes and all of the other trees, I didn't know it did this. I have to be honest with y'all. I did not know that if it gets too hot in the summer and that goes through a time where there's not a lot of rain, that the leaves will start dropping earlier than they're supposed to. I'd never seen it until about three summers back, uh, and Kansas had not gotten very much rain at all, and it was a very hot summer. And so we were walking through uh, this big park. It's called Shawnee Mission Park. Uh, we were walking through this park, and I noticed it's like uh, the, first of, the first part of July and all of these trees are already dropping green. I mean, they're dropping them. They're not even like turning like they would turn in the fall. They're just dropping those leaves. And what's going on with all these trees? And we realized it was the lack of rain. It was the drought situation that had been going on in that area and the heat. But we went by this huge, beautiful oak tree that's by the lake there in the park. And, of course, it's got all of its roots way down in that water, in that, in that, underneath that lake bed. It is fully supplied, green and lush and, and thriving and flourishing. And we walked by and I said, look, there we are, right there, that's us. We're the Psalm chapter 1. Our, we're the Jeremiah 17. We, our leaf is not withering. <laughs> 
we won't see when heat comes. Why? Because we've got a peace supply, a provision, a stability, a soundness, a wholeness in our life. We will not be afraid when heat comes. It says in the Amplified, they will not be anxious or full of care in the year of drought. Not be anxious or full of care in the year of drought. Nor cease from yielding fruit. Hallelujah. So we don't have to have anxiety. Why? Because we've got peace. Not just an emotion of peace. I've got wholeness. I've got restoration. I don't have to worry about that. God can keep me. Hallelujah. Do you believe that all of the Egyptian cattle died, but not one of the Israelites' cattle was affected in the land of Goshen? Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that God was able to what happened to those Egyptians who were not in covenant with God did not happen to God's people who were protected by His covenant. Hallelujah. When they were experiencing darkness so drastically that they could not get up and move around for days, there was light in the houses of God's people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have light. We have the keeping power. We have the provision. God is able to keep us. Don't want any frogs in my bed. Don't want any lice in my house. No, no. God's able to keep me from all of those things that people outside of the covenant may be experiencing. And we would love to bring them into the covenant where the protection is. And God's got the door open for covenant entry. At any time, people can come out of the darkness and into the light. But here in the light, God can keep us. Hallelujah. He can keep us. And, and it, it benefits us to put our mind on that. Romans chapter 8, and we'll close with this. Romans chapter 8, and I'm sticking with my hour of power on Wednesday night. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. So this minding the things, it says they that are after the flesh mind the things. Uh, the New Living says they have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. Have their outlook shaped. The complete Jewish Bible says having their mind controlled by the old nature. Mind controlled, minding the things of the flesh, the outlook. We're talking about a perception. We're talking about the focus of the mind. And just like Isaiah said, we keep our mind stayed on him. He's able to keep us in perfect peace. It says those who are mindful of or their mind is full of or controlled by those destructive things. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and wholeness. So my mind is not the origination of the flow of peace, but my mind is like the trap door that lets the, the wrong thing in or holds the wrong thing out so that the peace that's flowing in my spirit and, and into my life will have a continual flow. But if the wrong thing, if I've got my mind stayed on the Lord, then the peace can continually flow. But if I open up my mind to the wrong, wrong um, thoughts, the wrong information, the, the wrong... You know, thoughts are important. Thoughts are not just thoughts. They're spiritual content in the thoughts. God put his thoughts in words to help get it into us. So I can look around and see many of you who have been serving God for years and years. We got Sister Goodnight here. She has been sitting under the word of God for years and years. And you know what? In her, in her life, she has God's thoughts. 
She knows what God thinks about things because she has received his words about those areas of her life. So if we are blessed by receiving and hearing God's words and then applying them in our life, the enemy knows that's the key to get into a person. So he wants his words to be what's going in the eyes and ears so that it can get in the heart and bring the destruction. Hallelujah. Why? Because thoughts are not just thoughts. Thoughts are not um, inconsequential. Thoughts count. Thinking the right thoughts will put you in the position for the right results, but allowing the wrong thoughts in the mind, just ask Eve. Just, Just look at Eve's story. She was living in the Garden of Eden. She was in the blessing of God. She was in relationship, walking with God in the cool of the evening. But she opened up and received thoughts that should have been cast down. They should have been answered. They should have been dealt with. She should never have let the conversation continue. And that's why if you, if you find yourself all balled up in tears and worried and fretting, just stop and say, who am I listening to? Who am I, who am I listening to to get me in this kind of condition? God sure hasn't brought my thought pattern to this place that I am crying about it and fearful of it and wondering what's going to happen if. You know, when I was uh, tossing and turning in the bed that night and couldn't fall asleep because I was worrying about my daughter and the decisions that she was making and and, uh, all of the suicide attempts and different things that she was doing in in her rebellion, I I was up and worrying and crying, and then you, I'm the one who wrote pressure, no problem, y'all. <laughs> you want your pastor called me the other day. I said, "Well, listen, I'm married to the man who wrote refusing the care, so I can't talk about that." <laughs> you know, when you, it's like there's a standard. You know better than this, Michelle. You know better. You wrote the book Pressure, No Problem. You're married to the man who wrote refusing the care, fear-free living. So you're like, I know what to do here. How did I let my mind get in that kind of shape? I listened to something I shouldn't have listened to. I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. I was focusing on something I should have cast down. And if we don't cast it down, God's not going to. It's not his place to take those thoughts into captivity. It's our place. It's our place. And we can do it. We just have to be reminded sometimes, don't we? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's our job. Be spiritually minded. Be spiritually minded. Okay, that was my first close. Can I have one more? Ephesians 4 and I'll close. This is my second close. I have one more hanging if I need a third close. Ephesians 4 is an instruction for us that would apply here about being spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. Verse 22. That you, say that's me, put off concerning the former behavior. It says conversation, but it's a word in the Greek that means um, behavior or manner of life. You put off the former behavior of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Well, that sounds like being carnally minded, minding the things of the flesh. You put off the old man, and verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, you put on the new man. So... The first instruction is put off the old. We have to do that. We have to say, I don't think like that anymore. That was how I thought before I came into the light. That was how I thought before I knew better. That was how I thought before God answered and gave me his word about that. But now that I'm in the light, now that I'm walking with God, I don't think that way anymore. 
I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious. And then it says right there in the middle, be renewed. That's, that's, that's like the hinge between the putting off of the old and putting on of the new is you've got to be renewed in the mind. And the phrase in the spirit of the mind would be better identified as until your mind becomes spiritual. You be renewed till your mind doesn't argue with the spirit of God or with your born-again spirit. Because your born-again spirit has never opted to worry. If, if we, let me say this, we, if we worry, it's because we gave in to what our flesh wanted to do. Because your flesh loves to worry. Your flesh loves to go through all the what-ifs and the thoughts and how are we going to pay that off and how is that going to happen and, and Google it. Let me Google it. Your flesh likes to Google it. I need WebMD right now to see what my symptoms are, are indicating. No, I don't. I don't need to have to cast that down and deal with all of the things that they say it could be. When I could just go ahead to 1 Peter 2.24 and say, let me tell you what it is. By His stripes, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. By His stripes, I'm healed. By His stripes, I'm healed. The, the desire of your spirit is always to be in line with the Word. Always to walk in faith. So the renewing, be renewed until the mind becomes spiritual. The more I've walked with God, the easier it is for me to understand because my mind is being continually renewed. He doesn't have a hard time getting it across to me because I'm seeing it from His Word. I'm seeing it in line with His ways. The renewing is something that is continual especially if you are in a position where you're having to hear a lot of doubt and hear a lot of, of uh, worry and, and encounter a lot of other people who are thinking wrong, that means you need to be very diligent about keeping yourself thinking right. I told you the story of Pastor Marie Price. I, I bet she really appreciates me using this story of hers. <laughs> Pastor Marie, she's uh, a, a young lady who's uh, grown up in our ministry and um, pastors our church in Faith Builders Clarksville, Arkansas right now. And um, during the time that she had gone back as an adult to college to get her teaching degree, and she was around a lot of young people, college-age people, and so she was interacting with them and, you know, having to do work studies and different things with her, her colleagues. And then she and I happened to meet up. It had been a while since I got to visit with her because I had been traveling back and forth from here. And so I was visiting with her and I, there was a certain word that she kept using. And it had been a while. I, 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 it, it was not a word that I had ever heard her use before. And about the third time she said it, it was, she, it was a phrase, she said, and you know, that just devastated me. And they, I got this homework report and I got this, you know, and it devastated me. And I, and I turned this in and I, I didn't get the grade that I wanted and it devastated me. And about the third time she used that word devastated, I said, how many times a day do you say that? And she said, what? And I said, devastated. And it just, it, you know, she'd been, she's a faith builder. I mean, she was our assistant uh, 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 to, to both Pastor and I for a number of years, and it just, and she was like, oh, no, I, I did say that. She didn't even realize that it had gotten into her way of thinking and then into her mouth to use that word. It was just an expression to say, you know, that bummed me out or I didn't, you know, I didn't like the way that turned out, but it was something that all of the younger people that she was having to associate with were saying, and she adopted it without realizing that she said it. And so that's the renewing of the mind. That's the importance of the renewing of the mind, that you don't pick up things that are not for you and put them into your mind and put them into your mouth. Praise the Lord, the Prince of Peace. He's governing us. Isn't he? Amen. 
As we prepare to dismiss tonight, I just want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your supernatural strength and force of peace that is flowing into our lives. Father, we, we thank you for, for your covenant that protects us, that there is no evil thing that even if it touches us, it will not hurt us. There is no weapon formed against us that is able to prosper. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to keep us. You are able to guard us. You are able to preserve our going in and our coming out. You're able to protect us from every sickness, from every disease, from every uh, financial hardship. We walk in your soundness, your completeness, and your wholeness in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. And everybody say amen to that. Stand with me to your feet. Let's declare the